As you consider how to use your stimulus check, are you thinking about things that you may need for your dairy goat project? Cameron and I talk about some ideas of things you may wish to purchase to make life a little easier on our 25th episode of Goat Gab. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting rendition of Goat Gab. I'm Cameron. And I'm Marilyn Monroe. No, really, I'm Laura. <laughs> We're we're definitely in a different mood than we normally are when we record, considering it's Monday. I think we're both pretty tired from chores and babies and um, all of the craziness that is managing a goat farm and, and life and a professional career. Um, and, and it's just and it's been a crazy couple days. I think that's a good way to put it, Cameron. And, you know, when I get really tired like this, I always remind myself this is that short, intense time of year where you just feel like you're doing nothing but getting up and feeding babies and washing milk stuff and and dealing with milk and dealing with more babies and then you go to work and then you come home and you do the same thing again and 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 then it's going to be over. I mean it'll, you know, it'll soon start getting easier. It's just this beginning time that's so intense. It's getting it back your, your yourself back into a routine of what you need to do. And then when you get yourself into that routine and then you get rid of some, you're like, Oh, that's not that bad. <laughs> I hear you. I need to get to the getting rid of some stage. I think <laughs> I um, listeners for, I got a text from Laura today and it said, I period need period to period sell period, some period goats period. So if I were you guys and I was interested in maple wind caprine dairy goats, I would follow them on Facebook because you should see a Facebook post soon, correct? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we t we actually even took some pictures this weekend. So I think Madeline's working on um, getting those labeled and ready to put up there. So lots of really pretty little kids and probably some milking does too. So um, well, no, that's, that's I don't ever want to use this podcast. I don't want to use this podcast ever as a, a platform, but I think anybody who has a bunch of goats that they're milking right now can totally relate with what I said. Too much. I agree, too I agree much. with you on that. I agree with you on that. Again, this pod, this podcast is not a platform for us to promote our own goats, um, but um, it's a good tool to talk about the crazy stories that do come out of our farms. <laughs> you know, one thing that's a little different around here this year, and and um, I guess I'm just going to jump on into that. Uh, I only have three does left to kid. Oh wow. And I didn't wow. start kidding does until the end of February. So all of my goats are like in this scrunched in four week, five week period here. And uh, I think in the end, I'm going to kind of like that because all the kids will be weaned at about the same age, except for the little stragglers. And uh, that'll be kind of fun, I think. Yeah, def definitely. And it's, it's a, it's a nice short burst of just getting it all done and out of the way. And then again, um, you have those stragglers, which it seems like everybody has those stragglers, of course. Right. Yeah, for sure. So you have three left. I have 12 left here. <gasps> so <laughs> it's, it's not as like, bad as you think. Do you have a break? Um, yeah, we have a break until about, um, beginning, uh, end of the month, beginning of April. Um, so we will be on a nice little break here. Um, and just be rocking and rolling. Well, very good. So what but else has been up 
with you. you know, again, uh, going back to that, I think going back to a comment my dad said on the podcast when he came on was, I kind of know how everything's going to shake out about April 10th-ish. And it's funny that we think about that, and that's three weeks, or three-ish, two, two and a half weeks away-ish. Um, and we'll probably have everything figured out by then. If not, we might already have it figured out, and some goats haven't even freshened yet figured out as far as who's staying and who's going to go for the most part for the milkers. Um, we know we took, we took, um, eight buck kids to the sale barn. And I, and I followed up on my word that I said on this podcast is I put rubber bands around all of their, all of them. And then I see a post from our sale barn and it says eight one month weathers to go for auction today. And I was like, yep, those are mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And, you know, probably timely with Passover and everything coming around. So, yes, yes. I, I'm waiting anxiously on pins and needles for that check because I we probably need to pay some bills. Uh-huh. I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I uh, took some of those, took uh, got rid of our excess butt kids, sold one um, this weekend as well and, and got them tattooed. So it was green. Um Again, we like to tattoo all of our goats in a single group, normally around Easter. Uh, unfortunately, this year, as people come to pick up, um, we've just been tattooing them as they come. Yes, and I stole, sold my first little sold my first little butt kid this weekend too. Um, had him tattooed, and as he was leaving, I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I probably can't go ahead and register him right now." So. I pulled, I pulled hair to send off for DNA and um, said, well, I'll get you your papers as soon as I can get them for you. I'm sure it'll be before breeding season. <laughs> so a <laughs> so, uh, funny story about that. I was sitting downstairs here before recording the podcast and my dad is manually doing the paper forms to get our goats registered right now for the ones that we are selling. Oh gosh, it's like vintage years, huh? Oh yeah, he and he's doing like um, long form um, AI memos as well for the ones that we had done a with AI. So, yeah, it's 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 great down there. He was having so much. Maybe fun that's what I life. just ought to do. Um, yeah, but I but I saw on Facebook I think today that there's like a one month ish turnaround for those. So I'm not holding my breath on it. That will get them in time before the buyers come, but um, I would I would like to see that. Well, gosh, I hope so. I I I know that it's a mess there. Hmm. Yes, yes, it is, and I think we'll talk about that a little later on. But that's what my dad's doing tonight. <laughs> so exciting there. Um, in addition to that, let's hear. I pulled my first blood on the farm, and I've never done that before. Um, but it's not as hard as I think. I think it psychs you out if you haven't done it yet. It's the idea of it's a little scarier than actually doing it. See, I just remember my first time doing it and I thought Catherine had showed me and I was just like stabbing the goat in random places. I felt like, so like, I'm pretty sure that goat didn't like me. Um, but, then I <laughs> no. I, but then I reflect back to Catherine's first time and I was making fun of her. I think she was a first year vet student. She hadn't pulled a lot of blood then. And, uh, she was just all over the place. And I took a Snapchat of her um, trying to pull blood samples on Aquaberry. And it's like, she's not happy with you because you're making her look like Swiss cheese. Oh, poor baby. And poor, <laughs> poor fiance, poor Catherine. Yeah, we were dating at the time. We weren't, it wasn't, it wasn't serious back then. So, 
<laughs> I don't. She, You're she doesn't listen serious to serious now. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't listen to the podcast anymore, even though I tell her she should because <laughs> we we talk about her frequently. But she she taught me how to pull blood, and it's not as daunting as you think. But I think you do need to definitely practice. Mm-hmm. So well, and, and then if and yeah, if you aren't real confident, make sure you shave 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 their neck yeah. it's a lot easier if you shave their neck yeah i we didn't shave the neck actually i was she was just like just go just go and do it she did the crazy ones of course the ones that were super difficult or jumped or when i would straddle them or mm-hmm. whatever but um yeah it's it it was great it was great it was a learning experience very good yeah um last week let's see here as well i was away from the farm um i was traveling the carolinas for my job which was Great, but it always gives you a, a greater appreciation for when you leave the farm to come back to the farm and kind of see what happens. But the first thing I walked back and I said, we have way too many kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, now we've sold nine of them and I still say, we have way too many kids. <laughs> uh-huh. I could relate, yes. And my, and my dad's like, you got to... Cameron, you got to stop selling them so we can, so he takes them to the auction because we got to get rid of some of these kids. And I'm like, oh, okay, come on, relax, dude. Like they'll come get picked up eventually, but that's just me. But we have way too many kids, but um, let's see here. What else? So um, well, I, I want to talk about this story specifically here. So I, I sold, I, I put in the show notes, I sold an interesting buck. And by interesting buck, I mean, I was committed to selling the dam of this goat. And I was very transparent with the buyer. And I said, hey, I know you reserved a goat out of this animal. Um, this is this is the scenario here. And we will not be retaining this animal for our breeding program. Here are the reasons why. Sent her a picture of goat. And she said, okay, but I still want the buck. So I, I think it's important when you sell first fresheners and then offer does or bucks out of that dough that you're transparent with the buyer of why you got rid of that bucks mom buck or, or does mom i agree with that i think and, so and too I, and you know again I, I made it i made it the buyer's choice and my dad was like why are you doing that cameron you know we, we really shouldn't be doing this i said you know what we need to give the buyer the choice and give them the opportunity if they like it they had some great traits that that would be great in any herd and then had some less desirable traits that we did not want in our herd. So we chose we chose to get rid of this doe um, at some point. So uh, but again, I think in the what you need to do as a goat breeder is be completely transparent of why you're getting rid of an animal and it's not being retained in your herd if you're going to sell a buck kid out of it. I would agree. Or a so doe kid. That's. Or doe kid, yes, exactly. Um, so I think that's I, that's a story I, I like to tell because I think it's a lesson for people that sell buck kids that that you know may not be may not be of quality um, as some people may see. So again, it's the it's the buyer's yeah. decision at the end of the day. Have you noticed, Cameron? Um, they're coming out of the woodwork on Facebook tonight. Oh, I was my I was even. Gosh. I was reading an, an advertisement for a buck today that um, the mom's a first freshener. Uh, the dad is the first offspring out of the breeding. I mean, there's just, there is nothing, nothing behind it. Uh, and, and I was uh, reading it and I wanted to just 
Oh, I wanted to message the person and say, hey, guys, probably not a candidate to sell. And, okay, you're going to hear one of my pet peeves. When I read an advertisement for somebody that is selling a buck that they think is quality enough to be a future herd sire, and then they say in the same advertisement, if he's not gone by next Saturday, he's going to be weathered and go to the sale barn. That does not give me any type of inspiration to come out and purchase your buck, kid. Yep, I agree with you on that. I think there are other ways to word that um, mm-hmm. and and be more not maybe choosy with your words. I'm trying to think of a best way to put that. Just there are other ways to handle that situation that would portray to an interested buyer that this animal is is worthy of a purchase. Yes, but not the threat that he's going to get the green rubber band and go to the sale barn. Yes, I, I, I agree with you on that. I just, just used a lot of rubber green bands the other day. I, I really like those things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they do the little uh, happy dance. and <laughs> Yeah, they do the little happy dance. But Catherine was like, well, since you you at least gave them CD&T, they, they can, be, they can um, go into like, having like some type of toxin shock or something. Catherine was telling me about that when they put the band on him or something. I was like, I didn't know that. So all all of my bucks had a CD, had a CD and T before, before they got banded. So I felt like I was Uh ahead of the curve for, I feel like I was ahead of the curve for once. Feels good. Don't it? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. But uh, one thing I was talking about bucks and getting sold on Facebook. I've been seeing a lot of interesting marketing things here. My newest one I had, well, I saw two new ones. And the first being a raffle where you could pay like $10 and you could be one of 30 people to get in on this raffle. What? Yeah. I was you like, mean like I was what like, they're doing for milking machines or ultrasound machines or things like that. They're raffling off a kid. Yes. And it was a buck kid, and I was like, I was like looking at the pedigree, and I was like, uh, I don't, I'm not really sure this is of quality. But I think I don't even know if I would have thirty people interested in a buck, let alone to buy a raffle ticket. No, wow, okay. So basically, yes. she's saying thirty people for ten dollars, so it's a three hundred dollar buck that you're yes. getting for ten bucks. Hmm. Okay. Yes. I mean, I mean, if you sell all the tickets, it's a guaranteed three hundred dollars right there. So, wow! I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, I guess more power to you if if you if that kind of creative marketing works for you, then then I guess that's pretty awesome. Yes, and then my other one that I found was very—I don't know if it was creative. Or if it was, I, I just thought it was um, just interesting. So, um, okay, let's see here. Let me see here. I got to find this post. I, I had it right here. Let's see here. Okay. Um, she had a drawing for three unregistered bucklings. You buy one of my used music CDs and I'll put your name in the jar three times. Once all the CDs are sold, I'll draw three names. Potentially you could win three bucklings. I am reading this off of Facebook. I'm sorry if this person's a listener, but uh, to me, I don't understand this at all. This, this marketing tactic. Wow. That's just, Hmm. Very interesting. Okay. Yes. 
Yep, I don't that's, quite get it either. I don't I don't get it either. I just hmm. I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was very, very interesting of a marketing tactic. I don't know. I hope I would be buying like an in sync or a vintage Britney Spears or or something. Um <laughs> something really interesting of a CD. Um, or maybe they came up with like a custom mixed tape, like a custom mixtape like they had back in the day. Oh yeah, like I used to do. Oh, I'm gonna age myself with my tape recorder when yes. Casey Kasem and the Top Forty would come on. Oh, Casey make my own Kasem. mix. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. Oh, Casey Kasem. I, we listened to a lot of Casey Kasem cleaning the barn back in the day. Now I'm getting this. Yep. Nostalgia. There you go. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Some yes. good. Some good mix CDs. That'd be fine. But I still. Yes. I, honestly, send me the CD. You can keep the box. That would be fine. <laughs> Yes, and the last bit of news here is I signed up for the AATC for the uh, Judges Trading Conference. Is this the one that's in May? This is the one in May in Ohio. So, And where's it held at? So this is the one in May, and this is in Montepelier, Ohio. Cool. So I will be going to Ohio in May to renew my judge's license. And it was something that um, I seriously thought about not pursuing again and then Catherine kind of talked me back into it because she was like you love to do it Cameron you like to travel and see goats and it's fun and you can go find talking bird bucks for me so you should keep doing it well I'm just gonna say this as an older and not so wiser person here I wish oh, I, I never let that. mine lapse okay I wish I never let it lapse there's just a lot to consider when getting a judge's license um, and, and it's something I don't take lightly because i think if you're going to do something you need to wholeheartedly do it and and not just be one of those judges that just has their license to have their license i, I think it's a tool and i think it's a it's a it's something that if you do it if you have it i think you should go out and do it a couple times a year i um, and really give back to your community of goats rather than yeah i can see that too rather than having it and just holding on to it for a someday yeah or taking maybe you know, a show every couple of years. Yes. And again, I understand I that life situations that. change or, or, you know, you have a busy farm and, and I get that, but I think if you want to stay current with the times and you want to use an Adga judge's license effectively, not only to help your herd, but um, really make sure that the right goats are getting evaluated the right way. Um, then, then I think you need to be out in the field doing it, but that's just my opinion on the whole thing. Well, we'll be wishing you good luck that weekend. I know that's a, it's mentally taxing. A training, a pre-training or a training conference is mentally taxing. Yes. So we they're might hard be doing to go through. We might be doing the podcast mid TC. So hopefully not mid oral reasons, but. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll be easier on you than the training committee would be. Yes, that would be great. So. So switching gears here, Laura, we talked a little bit. You only got three goats left to kid. You got a lot of babies I everywhere. Yeah. Um, and the last what, thing that I'm going to say about my farm, I am so thankful for my daughters actually and for my husband too. He unloaded mm -hmm. a load of hay today for me because I was at work. Um, he's trying to help me figure out a more efficient way of feeding my baby goats. But I, I couldn't do this if I didn't have daughters and even the daughters who are you know, not in the home anymore when they come home on a weekend and they help kid goats and they help tattoo and they help disbud and, 
and it just makes it go so much easier. So I probably don't say it often enough on this podcast, how much I love my family and, and I'm totally blessed. So I, that's really all I have to say about it. You do have a pretty awesome family. I will say that. Yep, they are. Oh, and, <laughs> and my son, who's not the goat guy. Oh, he has a, is it called a sous vide? Yeah, one of you those uh, precision, pre- precision cookers with a Nova is what I call it. That's a uh-huh. brand. He made marinated flank steak last night for dinner that was Ooh. just sublime. <laughs> it was wonderful. Oh, I so. Love, oh. That's, he may not that, do goats, but he feeds me well. So that's awesome. I know a lot of people have been using that for uh, colostrum and, and heating milk bottles. I've been seeing that all over the place. Yes, he would never do that because he's anti-goat. But um, <laughs> you know, as far as cooking, it was it was really, really, really good. So yes. And, so what's and happening in the world of Adga <laughs> is. <laughs> Everything with NG or concern yes, no with NG. Go. No yes, go. Oh, yeah. Awful. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I, I feel terrible for those Adgas staff because they're in the same boat as, as the members are. I mean, they can't. Oh, I know. Getting, I know. They're getting a crazy amount of phone calls. And, you know, I, I get it. I understand that this is this is a bad time and it's terrible. But, you know, we have to work through this and and be as calm and cool and collective as as we can i feel like i have seen less um like hateful things on facebook about it and more just frustration over the last week or so maybe i've just been off facebook because i've been traveling so much no i would agree people don't seem to be as as just rabidly angry about it anymore and and you know thanks people let's let's you know be mature about this i'm like you cameron though i i wish i could wish i could get cook lunch for the adga staff or do something nice for them because i'm sure that they (laughs) i wouldn't want to drive to work every morning if i were them that's just got to be miserable yeah i agree with you on that and i don't uh yeah i don't envy them at all i appreciate them and what they're doing um, we will get through this again. I'm I'm very positive on this whole thing, and I, I think we got a lot more clarification from some of the directors as well regarding regarding the Facebook chatter, um, and and just kind of seeing what's going on there. But right, and so I that, think you know you hit it on the nose. Just be just be patient. G- give them a little yeah. bit of time, and I like again. I know for me, the animals that I don't have a real push to get registered, I'm just going to hold off on. I mean, I, I don't have any shows until May. You know, I'm, I, the poor folks in Florida and the other places are in the middle of shows right now. I, I feel for you, but yeah, um, I'm not going to try to clog up that pipeline any more than what I have to. I'm just going to wait for a bit. Yeah. I'm trying to ship goats to, to Florida speaking of the devil. And uh, yeah. I mean, those are the only kids that we're going to get registered right now are those kids that we, I think they're taking um, a couple mature does and some milker or a couple mature does and like six or seven kids. So, I mean, that is our priority is to get those goats registered so we can ship them to Florida because we have some really excited buyers and I love having really excited buyers. Um, if my buy, if these buyers listen to the podcast, thank you first off for being awesome because you have been very easy to work with. Um, and that's not all buyers. I will say. No, and that makes all the difference in the world. It makes you happy to sell goats to people like that. 
Yes, I will gladly do all of the necessary stuff if you are friendly and easy to work with compared to someone who might not be. But I, and I but on the flip side, I will say I might not be the most um, um, easy buyer as well when I buy goats. Um, but because, but I generally know what I want, but I generally don't reserve anything until I've asked about 17 questions. So <laughs> I, if, if, well, I, if I'm, buying, if I'm buying the goat, I, I will be very, if I've decided like in November, which is generally when I decide if I'm going to get a new buck or not, um, you know, I will be very easy to work with. Well, that's all right. That's good. That's a good place to be. Yeah. So I think. Let's let's dive into our topic here today. And I this was something that your son, the non-goat person, recommended for the podcast. Yeah. And all the other kids jumped on board and said that'd be a really fun thing to talk about. So um that's where we are. We're still hoping to get our special guest that we were hoping to have. Um, and maybe that'll work out. This is just a busy time for everybody, but I think that this yes. is a really good topic to to hit on too. So yes. Cameron, you have the first one on the list. You have a disbander yes. tool. Yes. Uh, before we go, did we talk, talk about what we're talking about? Oh, no, not really. <laughs> uh, okay. So Tell, we're talking explain about what we're talking about. Yes. We're talking about tools in your toolbox. Um, what specific things we like on our farms that are tools that we use that are valuable to our breeding operations or our operation in general when it comes to management of goats. Um, this can include anything from stuff we use on the farm to stuff we use at shows to just type of any type of management thing that we use. We thought this might be a great opportunity to give you a reason to spend those stimulus checks as well. <laughs> What better thing to spend them on than goats? Come on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think the first thing, the first thing, very cheap, very cheap tool, but I think it will save a lot of headache and a lot of us complaining on the podcast about crazy things on Facebook as well. <laughs> okay. That sounds yes. good. Explain think, about it. Yes. I think the disbander tool is something every farm should have. It literally costs like $15. The rubber bands are like, you get a pack of like 150 for five. I mean, it's a 20 to $25 investment for a bander tool. And I think it's something that every breeder should have in their toolbox. So you're talking about the little thing that, that kind of works like a little, little hand that opens up and stretches the red, green rubber band yes. over, over the little jewels and yes. snaps the band back on there. Yes. So you can use a bander or some people like to use a clamper. I don't, I don't really like using the clamper. I think a clamper is just, gives me the heebie jeebies. Um, mm -hmm. the, the bander, I feel like I have to, I have to use less, but I think it's something that is overlooked in a dairy goat operation because we want to try to at least somewhat break even our operation. However, we need to realize as being responsible breeders that, that the disbander tool is a tool in the toolbox to limit the amount of bucks you sell in a year. And would you take those bucks to the sale barn that aren't banded? Believe me, people have their ways of tracking you down and yep. trying to hit you up for papers. And uh, yeah, if they're banded, you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. I, that is a very important cheap tool in the toolbox you should be using for your operation. I cannot preach this enough. If we, if you as a breeder want to help progress the breed, you will take 
less than desirable bucks and take a little rubber band and put it around their jewels. Yeah, and it, they don't like it. They do the little dance that we talked about. Yes. Get a warm bottle or find mom, and then they're usually okay. The next day, they're fine. Yes. Yes, I agree there. Again, a clamper method might be a little bit more invasive um, and might hurt a little bit more, but um, it can be an effective tool. I don't use a clamper. Um, I prefer the bander, and I think it's a little cheaper, um, but you can definitely invest in one as well. So, Again, I think that's a very valuable tool for hobby breeders of dairy goats to have on their farms. For large commercial scale animals, they might not need one because their buyers might just come pick them up whenever they're ready. Because I always see kids, people from Wisconsin, buying like 30 kids at a time from big commercial dairies. Yeah, I don't think they care if they're banded or not. No, they are not, so... Laura, what's what's first on your list? Well, um, I'd like to talk about disbudding irons. That's okay. that's been a okay. hot topic, hearty har, around my house lately. <laughs> um, I've used that's, that's s- several different disbudding irons. I think the very first one I had was a Reinhardt X30. Worked okay. Seemed to it seemed to take a while to to stay hot between kids it could be because it was used or it could just be the iron uh the second one i tried was a link 200 i think is what it was or maybe it's a link 2000 link was the name of it and um it kind of looks like it has a little cage around it do you know what i'm talking about i don't because we use the reinhardt Mm -hmm. the nice thing about a link is that little cage that goes around it you can sit it down anywhere and you don't need to worry about it keeps the hot part from touching anything. Um, and I felt gotcha. that sounds nice. Oh, it was. And I felt like it burned just as well as the Reinhardt X 50 that I currently have now didn't get as hot in my hand, but it, it did a good job of burning. And, and so now I have an X 50. So I was just kind of interested in what you used and, and what you would advise people to look into. Um, I, we might not be the best person on this. First and foremost, my dad does all the disbudding. That's one job that he has not, I don't know if it's not trusted me or we've just, we just work in tandem there. Uh-huh. Um, and then Catherine has volunteered to, um, do the disbudding for our future herd. One thing we do with disbudding though, is we've started to trim where the horn buds would be back. We, we trim, we trim those back. Um, and it just allows for a cleaner burn in my opinion. You mean like with clippers? Yeah, and we've actually been using a 40 blade instead of a 10 blade. Um, it allows us to get closer to to the skin, obviously, with a 40 blade. And also, we're doing it a little bit out of pure laziness because we've been forgetting to turn the 10 blade on and the 40 blade, take the 40 blade and put it off and, and put the 10 blade on as well. But I like the 40 blade over the 10 blade. Yeah, I guess I've always used a 40 blade on it. So I, okay. I guess I hadn't thought about doing it without clipping. I, I mean, I guess you can feel them just fine, but I always like seeing the little horn bit bud on there. So, um, so my, yeah, my dad used to do it actually without clipping. So he'd done that for years. Wasn't that pretty smoky? I mean, that's, that's a lot of burnt hair. Yeah. Oh, and I, I feel like we, we have less singed hair this year, so it doesn't smell as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing we have been doing though, and 
we've given him some feedback on this and um is we have been getting more like he's been getting a little bit closer to the eye um when it comes to horning and that's not i'm not discrediting him at all um and when we do get a little closer to the eye we do see some swelling around the eye mm-hmm. um and it doesn't really look good no um but we know how to cure that i mean it looks next day it goes down yeah and i mean i i think you just have to have a technique that works for you um do you guys ever do a figure eight burn on your butt kids? No, I've, I've, no, no. But that sounds smart though. Well, I didn't really know a whole lot about it until the sweet folks at Munchin Hill kind of talked me into doing that with, okay. with a butt kid that I sent out to them. And, um, Anyway, when I have those, sometimes you get a butt kid that you probably should have disbudded a few days earlier than what you actually are. And you can see how that yep. bud gets kind of that teardrop look to it where it's not really round yep. anymore. And you can feel that ridge up in front where it's probably going to get scurs if you don't burn that separately. That yep. figure eight burn can take care of it. So um, I try to watch that. I you know, try to get them earlier than that. But if they've got that ridge mm-hmm. up there, I'll try to burn on that too. So, yeah. One thing Catherine always does, and I think she might have talked about it when she was on the podcast, is she always gives a little bit of dex before she burns them. And it just allows for a little bit um, faster rebound mm-hmm. there. And at one point as well, she actually volunteered to do work on a, like a, um, like a nerve blocking test group um, for goat dehorning. So some type of like numbing around the area where they would burn the horn and whether that would be less painful for the animal there on a big study actually that they did at Iowa state one year. Um, so do they have results on that? I don't, I don't know if they're published yet, but I know that Catherine was there. Um, and she seemed like the only one that could actually talk the talk when it comes to dairy goats. And it was at, um, Craig Copeman's farm. So, uh, Interesting. <laughs> Craig and Catherine got along real well and talked and talked a lot. And the other people just thought she was very strange. Huh. <laughs> that, that is very interesting. Yeah. I think Dr. Paul Plummer too was involved in there as well. Cool. I'll have to watch for that, that result coming out. Yes. Yes. Very cool. I was like, okay, cool. So, um, I don't know a lot of that there, but that's just a, a little fun fact of what they were doing there on the disc butter there. So again, a great tool in the toolbox there. Um, one thing on my next list here is a pasteurizer. I think pasteurizers are, again, we use them on our farm. Um, pasteurizer. I would almost caveat this as a pasteurizer or a canner as well. Uh huh. Yep. Or an instant pot. Those work great so, too. Yes. So Laura, I know you love your instant pot, but do you use your personal instant pot for milk? I have not. I haven't, okay. but we don't pass. I mean, I okay. don't pasteurize milk here. So, <gasps> oh yeah, for, I forgot Oops. about that. Yeah, uh, duh. don't don't <laughs> throw tomatoes at me. Um. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're a test. You're a tested herd, and Laura, and Laura, everyone knows your guys' clean track record. Well, I mean, we're just that's not making a comment about anybody else's. That's just how we do it here. But, um, yeah, I have been told that it is wonderful for colostrum because you can set it low enough that you're not going to end up with pudding and yes um, you know people have been really nice about it i think the biggest problem with an instant pot most of them only hold six quarts 
six quarts. I mean, that's, they do have eight quarts and 10 quarts, but most of them are six quart size. So it doesn't do a whole lot. Um, I've always had a safe, I think it's called a safeguard pasteurizer, the old red ones. Yeah. Yeah. That yep. I've always liked that. I thought so, that was a great pasteurizer. So we've got a couple wick canners. We love the wick canners, but I don't think you can find those anywhere anymore. Um, RIP wick canners. The brand doesn't exist anymore. I don't think oh. so. Really, really sad. So I'm, I'm, I'm upset about that. We bought a ball canner recently when our wick died. Yes. I blame my dad on that because he decided to clean it out. Oh. <laughs> and then it stopped working after he cleaned it out. Oh, not good. <laughs> so he's got a ball canner and that works well. Um, our bucket is a little big for it, but that's okay. But we like the safeguards. Um, we've used a couple other brands too that are silver, but we do like the safeguards. The mil- Milky, have you used a Milky before? No, I haven't used a Milky. I've heard really, really good things about them. Gretchen Sims swears by the milky can or the milky pasteurizers and i've i've heard other people say Mm. that they're really good too so um i know that hager used to have a dual um pasteurizer that you could flip the switch on one way and do do colostrum and flip it another way and you could do milk but i don't know anything about those yeah i know um okay these milky pasteurizers they this looks bougie. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Super boot. And they're expensive yeah, too. A little pricey, but oh yes, that's I'm looking at the price. It's sixteen hundred dollars. So <gasps> um, your stimulus check won't cover that. Good lord, I didn't know it was that high. <laughs> yeah. Um I thinking about a really expensive pasteurizer though. I know Garrett Morse has a really, really, really expensive pasteurizer that can do like fifteen to twenty gallons of milk a time. Um, and he's milking, you know, 40 to 50 goats right now. Uh, so, so, you know, the amount of time it takes for him to pasteurize, that thing is paid for itself. I think he paid um, for, uh, for a used one, a good chunk of change beyond a stimulus check. Well, but that, yeah, as you said, time is money and that would, that would time, be worth it. Time is money. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Before definitely you get there. So I think pasteurizer. Go, go ahead. So before you get to the point of needing that pasteurizer, you need a milk stand to put your goat on. Let's talk milk. Yes. Stands. Yes, you do. So do you in your barn, Lauren, I've, I've only seen your pat, your where your goats kind of lounge um, uh-huh. in your pasture on your farm. I haven't been inside. Do you have only a one stand milk hand milk <laughs> or do you have like a multiple or what does that look like in your barn? Uh, it looks like um two mismatched milking stands single stands so i put two up at a time and milk them at the same time i have a two goat milking machine and uh they stand up there and eat and then they get kicked out i don't have a lot of room so that has worked well i could probably fit three goats in there but it would be really tight so um i really am in the market for a maybe one more good milking stand I had an, an old stand that's probably 11, 12 years old and the weld broke on it. Um, the, the woven looking metal part that they stand on 
came loose from the frame. Like the mesh part. The mesh part came loose from the frame and had a doe get her foot stuck in it the other day. And so I'm like, oh, this is done. Yeah. So. um, Oh, no. Yeah. So I, I really, both of these stands that I'm using right now are stands that I had bought to take to shows. So they, they collapse, they fold, but they're really heavy. So I'm kind of interested in um, some ideas maybe that you might have. What do you, you know, what, what you use? Um, and Yeah. So we, so Catherine, so I'll talk about Catherine's operation here in her barn. She's got like a four goat, just platform that's made of wood. And we used to have like a four goat platform that was made of wood as well. And that was okay, except it gets heavy. Oh, don't you think? Uh, if you've ever seen one of those, mm-hmm. they're very heavy. Yep. So, and you, and they don't allow for a lot of flexibility in the milk room. One thing that we have always done is we kind of rearrange our milk room by season, oftentimes. Um, so sometimes we'll be facing back to back, or sometimes we'll face them once uh, separate wet one way as well. Um, we just doesn't seem like we're ever settled. So we have eight individual milk stands when we milk. Wow. So they all get to stand up there and they all get to eat together. Yes. Everybody gets a pan. Everybody eats, um, eight individual milk stands. The one on the end is starting to bend a little bit. We had, um, Greg Morris. If you, did you remember Greg Morris? Yes. I, yes. I have very fond memories of Greg Morris. He was a, he was a great guy. I love, loved Greg Morris and um, uh, incredible national show uh, chair as well and ran very efficient and profitable national shows um, and, and a great guy. But he was a heck of a, an iron worker and, and knew his way around engines. But he fashioned eight, those eight milk stands for us, actually. Oh, wow. So, um, yes. So we're, I'm, I'm very thankful to him and yes, incredible guy. Um, and we used to, we used to go to the Jenny Hinkle, which is his sister, um, to the shows and she's our family friend still and, and great. But, um, we have those eight milk stands we use. We take apart them for shows, break them in, break them down. Catherine, on the other hand, has two separate milk stands that break down as well. Um, and she uses those for shows and we also use those for clipping at her place. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, we have a sheep stand. Like, I mean, it has like the sheep head on it, yeah. you know, that's what we use for clipping in the summertime yeah. and it works. That works great. We like that. I like using the sheep stands for the bucks, clipping the bucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then she's got, she's got the guard as well on the one side and you can slide that out. So if they go one way, then they're not, they obviously can't because that guard's going to stop them. So I think that's, that's, if you have a sheep stand, that might be a really cool investment to pick up in if you have that option uh, when it comes for clipping bucks. Well, yeah, because when they decide to go off, I've seen a buck take off with a milk stand on his neck before. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. It's, it's not, not good. No. Along the lines of a milk Along the lines of a milk stand, I have a stand that's incredibly low to the ground that I will lock a goat in and I will use them as a teaser dough for collections as well. Very old. It's a broken milk stand, but I do like that as an option as well for buck collections on a farm. I think Levi has one of those too. It looks like a um, just the base is almost sitting on the ground with the stanchion part. Yep. Yeah. Yes. 
So Levi didn't want to take his all the way to Illinois last time. So he said, hey, do you have one? I said, yeah, I'll go dig it out. So uh, <laughs> I have that as well. So I think I think that is it. That again, those are some types of milk stands that we talked about. Um, the Slidell, the Slidell ones, I think are really good. Um, I can't recommend John McPherson enough um, because he puts on great milk stands and he customizes them and does great work for the dairy goat community. And I like everything John McPherson does. Um, so I, I think those are some options there. Those are two options that come right to the top of my head. Laura, do you have any other suggestions of where you get milk stands? Well, I have a question about milk stands. I really have been, con- oh, okay. I've really been contemplating getting an aluminum milk stand to take to shows. Okay. I've pinched and okay. come on guys, everybody who's hauled milk stands to goat shows, you know, they pinch the heck out of your fingers. I mean, that's just, that's just yeah. what happens when you carry them. So, um, I really would like to get an aluminum one, but I'd like to talk to somebody that has one because I want to make sure that they stand up well and they don't break down and they don't bend. And do you have an aluminum stand? No. So we have, we have, um, iron one or excuse me, steel ones. Okay. Um, and then Catherine has steel ones as well. Okay. So listeners, if you guys get a chance, give me your opinions on aluminum milk stands. Cause I, I think maybe my stimulus check might help, might go to one of those. They're stinking pricey, but um, it sure would be nice not to have broken fingers and, you know, sore hands. So Um, back on what you were saying, Cameron, about John McPherson, um, he makes amazing hay feeders and, and I have hay feeders on my list here, but um, over the years, and I, th- I want to say 2017 maybe was when I got my first one, but I've bought their single, it looks like you could fit like a big fat flake of hay into it, a feeder for a show. And I use those year round at home, outside, in all weather. I use them in my buck pen. Doesn't matter if the bucks are in crazy rut and beating everything to death out there. Those hay feeders look just as good now as what they did when I purchased them. And I just can't say enough about them. They're strong. uh, They last well. They don't lose their shape. They don't get bent out of shape. They don't break. The welds don't break. He just does a really great job. Yeah, I agree with you on that. He made all of our fencing for inside our barn. Again, I plug him whenever I can because we really like that fencing. Um, we've had some issues with it, but that's a lot of our own personal problems, not John's fault. So, um, yeah, I think I, he may, he does a great work and puts out a great product. Um, but along the lines of hay feeders, we have something similar to John's. They aren't as strong. They aren't as durable as John's. I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, but they work. Yeah. You've got to have a decent hay feeder. And I'll, I'll tell you, if you want to, if you haven't had a chance to go on Pinterest and put goat hay feeders on there, there are probably 300 different ideas of a no waste hay feeder. And I'm just going to tell you that, Oh yeah, that is just, I don't think there's anything called it. I don't think there's any way you can not waste hay with goats, but there's some pretty unique ideas on there using everything from clothes baskets to it's, it's pretty good to see what they've got. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Thinking about hay feeders there, one thing I like is a really big, bulky hay feeder that might be the equivalent of three or four hay feeders, not just the single individual ones, but you can get like three to four flakes in there. And that's great. And we have that running in our dough pen or all the time. So that's another way to supplement hay. That's a good idea. And I know John sells those. Yeah, I know he I has think- big ones. 
Yes. Yes. So we like we like the really really big ones. Some people do like hay bags. I'm not crazy about hay bags because I think they're a bit tedious to fill up, but I think you do get less waste. And I, I think about the foster system, Bruce and Cliss Fosters of, of Cliss's Dairy Goats um, and how they do it there and how they are on the road a lot of the year and then traveling to lots of goat shows and they just keep filling those bags up. I don't, I don't know. I haven't had good luck with them and maybe I need to see their bags because I've had more goats get tangled in hay bags and um, hay bags torn up. And I don't know, maybe it's a mean Alpine thing. I, I haven't had good luck with them, but <laughs> I'll have to see what they've, what they've got. That'd be interesting. Yes. But I think a good hay feeder is not only a good investment for shows when you go to, but also for your house as well. I um, being on your farm. So I think it's a dual purpose thing. If you're not using some type of fencing, like we, like we are for our, um, uh, our hay systems sometimes or our boxes that we have. Yeah, I agree with that. Jumping back though, to talking about milking, uh-huh. I think a milk machine is something that is within the stimulus check realm of possibility. Or at least pretty close, or it can get you the good chunk of one. Yes, I agree. You guys use a... Laura, what do you have? What do you run? You use a Caprine Supply one, right? Yes. So we have a a Caprine Supply. The the Caprine Supply system is for... um, the actual like air compressor part of it. And then we have a different system that we didn't get from Caprine supply for uh, the bucket portion. Oh, I see. Okay. So, and it works well. I was having some problems with it today. (laughs) Knock on wood as we're talking about milk machines. I was having problems with it. Haven't told my dad yet. So Uh -uh. um, he might wake up and be milking and there might be milk machine problems, but um, I, I like it. Um, I do have some problems when I milk so many goats and I forget to do it and I overfill the bucket and that's never a good thing. I will be the first one to say. Um, but a couple things to consider with a milk machine is before you go out and buy a new one, um, like change the oil in your milk machine. That's probably a smart thing to do. Unless you have an oilless motor because some of them have an oilless. Yes. Yes. That you don't have to do that with. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, I think there's, I agree with you on that. There are all kinds of different ones. Boy, one of the most popular ones you hear people talk about is the simple pulse. Yes. I've not ever used one. Um, glass jars scare the bejeebers out of me because I would drop them or break them or kick them or something. And then it would be no more. Um, but I think that I think maybe especially for Nigerian goat breeders, those simple pulse works really well. Um, yeah, I, I, yep. I've seen those as well. And I I hear a lot of people like them. They're relatively inexpensive from what my understanding is. Um, Laura, have you ever seen the really small ones that are really quiet, but you can take to shows and milk full size goats? I have not. Mm -mm. So I'm trying to think there and I I think back and I I reflect back to a conversation I had with Judy Hoy from, um, she has the, Oh, excuse me, Cindy Silva, not Judy Hoy. They're two peas in a pod, but um, Judy Hoy from Lucky Star and then Cindy Silva from Rockin' CB. Um, they, uh, she has one of those and she absolutely loves it. And it's only a couple hundred bucks off Amazon. Really? So you buy the pump yeah. and then get a pulsator and everything else to go with it? 
It's like the pulsator is the pump, if I remember correctly. Okay, so my Hager system is like that. The pulsator, okay. the pulsator is on the pump. And so when people talk about having to rebuild pulsators every once in a while, I'm like, what? I don't, that's not part of my experience with my milking machine. So, um, and what I like about my machine is it's really not very big, so I can take it pretty easily to shows. Um, and it's been really trouble free for me. I've really not had any issues with mine. So it's a nice little milking machine. Yes. But uh, look, I'm looking at Catherine's here. Catherine's is a Mila Milasti single milking machine. Huh. It was like fourteen hundred bucks ish. It's made in like Europe somewhere. Um, six six gallon bucket. It works really well, and it's on wheels always as well. And she actually bought a grill cover to put it over it as well after she's done milking, and keeps it out in the barn all the time. Well, that's a cool thing, huh? I'll have to look yeah, that one. Yeah, I, I she likes it. She likes it. Um, and I I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think it's funny how she has a ping pong ball. They put a ping pong ball in it to um make sure the milk doesn't reach the top because if the if the milk actually hits the ping pong ball, the machine will shut off. Oh, that's wonderful. I think I need something yes, like that. It's, it's, in pretty mind. Cool. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. Cause we just over, I, I do too. Cause we just overflowed our milk machine here Friday. I hate doing I was that. on the, I was on the phone with somebody and Oh yeah. I was on the phone with somebody and Catherine's like, Cameron. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> well, there's no, there's really no, um, warning it just happens and you see that milk go up in the line you're like yes. oh crap yeah <laughs> yes i i agree well you know i agree there not nearly as expensive as a milking machine but something that i dearly love um and i know we talked about this on our chris i think we talked about this on our christmas episode um are my favorite hoof trimmers um you know trimming feet is something that nobody likes to do but if you have the right tools to do it, it really is pretty easy to, to get it done. And if you do just a couple of day or a couple of weekend, it makes it not quite so overwhelming and hard on your back and everything. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think um, some people have used like a hoof boss. I think I'd like to try that if the if I if I had a second stimulus check, I'd, I'd like to try to get one of those <laughs> um, and. I think it's more of a grinding system as compared to a trimming system. I don't know. Those scare me. Gosh, dang. I'd, I'd like, I'd maybe, like to try it. Like sometime. power tools. Yeah. I wish we could go like to like a, a trade show or something and like try it on a real go, you know, type booth thing. Right. Um, my daughter Elizabeth uses them at her, at the place that she works, they do sheep. And she said, they're really nice. Um, it's easy to do and okay. she said it's easy to get a nice flat level, um, you know, base on it. My favorite hoof trimmers are the ARS hoof trimmers. They have a red handle and um, boy, they're sharp and they cut anything. They're really, really nice. So just throwing that out there, they, they're yeah. about 40 bucks. So, okay. All right, Laura. Laura, I know, I know you just put something on Facebook about this the other day. I don't know if it was like Saturday or something, but you have kid feeders. What do you mean by kid feeders? Oh, 
Yeah, well, so I have been intrigued for a long time about the idea of feeding free choice cold milk. And I try it at different times. And we've tried to do that with our like Caprine supply, Caprine feeders, you know, the round ones with the nipples and the tubes that go into them. Yep. But then they'll kick the lid off and flies will get in it and the milk will get gross. And I, I've just not felt like it's been a terribly successful experiment on my part. So um, Jan Carlson, not very long ago, shared the plans that they use it at, I think it's at Washington State for, um, they drill holes in coolers and they put nipples on it and just put cold milk in the cooler with some ice blocks and they leave that and they fill it up once a day. And that's and the kids drink cold milk all day long and they do great with it. So I'm trying to rig something up like that. It's not quite working out right. Just the way that my pins are right now. Um, but Mark Stevens sent me an idea of mounting nipples on, um, Oh, it's a piece like it's either metal or vinyl that you would get um, to help with the transition between linoleum and carpet in your house. I don't know what the actual name of those is. Mm. Um, but anyway, you can mount nipples on it and then run tubes from that into the coolers to feed cold milk. So more to come on that when I get it all figured out. But that's kind of what I've been working on. But I, I will just say kid feeders to me make all the difference in the world being able to feed more than just a few kids at a time with bottles. And, and I've done it before where you have a bottle in each hand and a bottle between your knees and you're trying to keep three kids eating at the same time. And when you've got 20 goats to feed, it's just miserable. So. Laura, you know, you know, my feelings about that. <laughs> pan <don't> feed them. <laughs> get, get a, get a teach them how to drink on a pan. And I swear, I think we converted Catherine. I don't, I think she saw it at a show we were doing. It was just like, I like this. This was way before we were dating and I don't know if it was us or she got it from somebody else, but um, she, she does it. I do it. I cannot speak to volumes, how easy a kid pan feeding system is. But again, there is a learning curve with it as well for the goats and the user of it as well. Um, I had when the commercial dairy lady came and picked up some bucks from us a couple weeks ago, she was like, wow, this just seems so much easier than our current system. And I'm like, yeah, and it's not, I mean, you can use the pans for anything else too, you know, feeding grain or, or free choice mineral or something else. So, um, and they just get used to stuff being in the pan for them to consume. So I, I am a proponent. I will live and die by the pan feeding system. Um, and I, it's not for everyone. I will say, I will be the first to admit that, but I will live and die by the pan system. I'm going to have to come see it. I'm, I'm just going to have to come watch you guys start them on it and watch how it works for you. Maybe that'll convert me because it sure would be easy. Yeah. Yes. It's super easy. And I, I love talking about this because I'm very passionate about it. It's so much easier to clean than, than the bottles. Oh yeah. Cause that takes a lot of time. Yes. So I, I feel like people that, that bottle feed spend a lot of time cleaning probably a couple hours a week. Uh-huh. For sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big pan feeding system, but I think about when I think about feeders as well, I would like to get something for free choice mineral, some type of feeder system for that. 
I like the um, ones that, and I've seen people. I, I like the ones they sell ahead. at Caprine Supply that are like poly, and they okay. they have two little holes at the bottom, and you fill them up from the top. I think those work okay. really well. Like uh, kind of, I've seen it like done with like large things of PVC pipe, and you just attach them in there. I guess that's what Catherine's system has. I've used one of those before. The problem is it sometimes they're hard to fill. And then sometimes it's hard okay. to fill the bottom of it. So maybe we had the wrong cap on the end of the pipe. I don't know, but um, you know, certainly those work. Those work well too. So I would, if I were to go and invest in something right now, I would probably invest in a um, and thinking about feeding. I would invest in some type of free choice feeder of feed. Uh huh. So. The ability to basically pour a bag of feed into it and the goats can eat it whenever they want. But not get too much. Mm, that's that's the drawback. Yeah. Huh. That'd be neat. They can eat they they can Yes, Catherine has like three of them. And and I and I'm very envious of that because she can make her, you know, make sure they're eating enough. I the problem with it is is I you never know how much they're all eating. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Or like, you know, you don't know if, if like some are just getting fat while other ones are just hanging out. But I think the free choice feeders are a very interesting concept when it comes to raising high management dairy goats. I think you're right. High performance dairy goats. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Hmm. Maybe she could, maybe you could take a picture of what she has and post it on um, the goat gab Facebook page so that we can all kind yeah. of see what that looks yeah. like. You betcha. You betcha. I, I like them. I, Catherine likes them as well. And it's very easy if you're, um, you know, maybe not as hands on with the goats as as you should be or great in the winter time as well. When you're uh, have a little bit uh, laissez faire um, dairy goat management. My uh, that's just my opinion we, when it comes to winter management. We call it take we call it taking some time off. <laughs> 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 yes exactly there well one of the last things i see on the list that i'd like to throw out there if you're looking to blow a little bit of money and you want to make things a little easier i would definitely recommend getting a revolving head tattoo um pliers do you know what i'm talking about okay have you seen them? okay yes i yeah, we have a pair, okay. and I would actually recommend the opposite. Oh, really? I would not recommend the the revolving. Yes, I do not like the result. Like this is this is again where where Laura and Cameron disagree on things, but it is totally okay. So why do you not like it? <laughs> we we because it's hard to turn it, and you. I think about my fat little fingers trying to turn that little knob, and I'm like usually stressed out and cursing because the goat's moving around. I just want to be able to pick up another set of pliers and just do that other ear with that other set of pliers. I want to do all the prep work first. So I've got my KVD in, in one plier and I've got my N whatever in the other plier. So all I have to do is grab, the, grab the KVD, write your KVD, grab the other one left ear, do that there. I don't want to have to mess the mess with the revolving thing. Wow. Now see, I've had two pliers before and um, this revolving one actually is left over from when 
I had Nubians way back in long time ago. Um, my dad found it up in the attic. And so I was happy to get it back. And I just think it's so easy. You just do one side, undo the screw, revolve the head, do the other side and you're done. I don't have to worry about, oh, I picked up the wrong plier. Or, anyway, <laughs> that is, that's interesting. We're totally opposite on that, but well, anyway, a new tattoo set is fun anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Do you prefer like the rabbit tattooers or more of like a, a sheep goat style? I've never used the rabbit one. Okay. We've used both. Um, I think I prefer like a sheep goat style over it. It's just bigger. Um, it uh -huh. means you might have to tattoo a little um, uh, later, but. My question for you, Lori, is when do you tattoo your goats? Like, what is their temporal I tattoo, I tattoo them when I disbud them. Okay. Okay, you get all the painful stuff done and out of the way. Yep. The only time I don't is sometimes alpines have such tiny little ears, and I've got that big revolving head tattooer, and, and I just have to put it off until they get a little bit bigger, but... Most of the time I'm able to get them done when they're babies and, and when I disbud them. Gotcha. Yeah, no, we, we don't tattoo until six plus weeks or whenever we remember for the younger kids. So um, if we have like April, like we will tattoo around um, Easter. That, like that is our tattooing time. It's Saturday before Easter. We sit, we tattoo. My dad and I, and last year we had Catherine there and we just tattoo everybody and we, it's done and out of the way unless they need to be picked up. Um, but if it's later <laughs> than that, it's generally whenever we get around to it, which is a terrible, it's not by, and I'll be the first to admit, it's not by the book management decision, but um, that's, that's that. I have gotten into, tr into trouble before thinking that I tattooed something and didn't and got to a oh. show and lo and behold, um, it's one and huh. There's not a dang tattoo anywhere here. Yeah, that's not, I don't want to do that anymore. So yeah, I try to be really careful to get it done. Yeah, I've seen that too as a judge where you're like, oh, where are this goat's tattoos? And I'm like, oh, I forgot. And you're just like, okay, all right. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> yep, it's great. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, it generally does happen. My last thing on my list here is, and I want to talk about this is clippers and clipper blades. And I think we'll talk ah. about this a little bit. I think we'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about do our show episode, which will be coming up soon. Yeah, that's, right. It's going to it's gonna be a two-parter. We know that because we're going to have so much stuff to talk about. So what are your favorite clippers? Um, so we have two. Uh, I really like, oh, why can't I think of those there? Um, I, oysters are what I grew up on. Those are okay. Uh -huh. uh, those are okay. Uh, they get hot. Um, I like Lister stars for the body. We always do the Lister stars with the body for the most part. Um, and I'll, we'll use like a, um, just a normal blade that you would get from, from a Lister star on those, not, not a plucking blade. Um, and then what we, what we have now are and Andis clippers. Um, and we, if you go to the Wisconsin state fair, you, they actually, if you get grand champion or best of breed, they give you a pair of Andis clippers. Woohoo! That's nice. Yeah. yeah, it's really nice. And then in Minnesota, if you won, if you won like showmanship or youth event, or you had 
a GCH or something, you got a pair of Andes Clippers as well. So we ended up with like three or four sets of Andes Clippers um, because we had one fitting and grooming and we had one, a couple other things. So um, yeah, so we have a bunch of, we've used a bunch of Andes Clippers. Those things are so nice. They don't get hot. Um, I, I, I should buy stock in Andes. Andis, Andis and Beagle Oil, like those are the two things I need to buy stock in because I <laughs> use, we use a lot of them. Well, you and I do agree on the large clippers. Um, I was an Oster person from back in my 4-H days and, uh, you know, they're heavy, they're clanky, they make your arms tired. Um, they'd cut through anything. That was a good thing with them, but boy, did they get hot. And, uh, yeah. when my daughter started clipping with me, um, my beloved old pair of Oster's froze up on me and broke. Oh. So I ended up getting a pair of Lister stars and they have lasted us. This will be year 11 for those clippers oh, wow. and they're wonderful. They're lightweight. They don't get hot. Um, I just think they're, they're, they are my go-tos. I love them for bodies. And then yeah. um, like you, I use an Andis clipper for the small ones. One thing I wanted to throw out there about um, clipper blades. Amazon has really good prices on clipper blades and they have lots and lots of different sizes. So um, you can get just about any size of clipper blade you want off of Amazon and it ships pretty fast. So I'm looking at this right now because I'm curious what the price is stocking up, to. stocking up on clipper blades and, and you can have a lot of fun with it. I mean, that that's a nice thing to spend some stimulus money on too. Um, you can get a five blade, you can get a three blade, you can get a seven blade, you can get a nine blade. You can get, I mean, there's just all kinds of different sizes. Um, and it really gives yeah. you some, some uh, room to really find out what blade your animal looks best on. Like, um, I can use that plucking blade or that cover coat blade on my Lister stars on my solid black dough. And I can clip her three days before a show. And she looks beautiful with that. It leaves enough hair that you don't get those awful clip marks. Yeah. I, the d different goats need and different hair coats require different clippings. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later or in the next episode when we do the show episode. Um, but uh, clipper blades are important. My favorites are tens, the forties as well for the udders and inside the ears. And then if you're feeling really frisky, um, you can get fifties and that'll make that rear udder pop, make it pop. Um, but for uh, sure, yeah, that's, that's, and that's, that's a Craig Copeman thing with the, uh, with the, uh, um, with the fifties there. He taught me how to use those. So, um, yeah, I think those for clippers, invest in a good pair of Andes's. I, I, I think Laura and I both agree pretty wholeheartedly on that. Yes, absolutely agree with you there. And I think between you and myself, we probably clip a, a, a hundred goats a year plus. <laughs> probably. Yes. So um, I think that, you know, thinking about tools in the toolbox, what we use, I think that pretty much sums it all there, except I don't think we talked about the toolbox. Oh, so I wanted to throw something out there. You know, over the years, I've had several different types of tack boxes for for um, to take to shows. And and uh, it seemed like for a couple of different times, I'd get those big. I think they were a craftsman, um, like a toolbox type thing um, 
was a good size that you could use it for a bench to sit on while you're at a show. That's always kind of nice. Yeah. Um, except that you're telling your kids, hey, get your butt off my tack box. I got to get something all, all the time. <laughs> or it became the, the um, resting place for the multiple half drunk bottles of water or pop that are sitting all <laughs> over the tack pen. You're laughing because I know that you know what I'm talking about, right? Because I've been a culprit of it. Oh my gosh. As a mother, I think that that's what I spend most of my time at shows doing is maybe not so much now when they were littler. Picking up all the half drunk bottles of liquid all over the tack pen. It's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, so the tack box was good for that. Um, but a couple of years ago, the girls and I decided to spend some Christmas money that we had gotten together and we got a more upright type tack box that, um, you push a button and it actually unfolds. So you've yep. got all these neat little compartments for all kinds of, you know, little show chains and you can divide them up into sizes and, and utter tools and, um, the top opens up so you can put some bigger things there. And then the bottom has a big area that it's big enough. You can put a hose and you can put your large clippers and all kinds of stuff that you want down there. Best investment in the world. I think it's also a craftsman too, but more of an upright tack box and it works great. Yeah, we've used a host of those. Um, again, use the the bench format there where you can put things on, you can sleep. Um, we've did the big wooden boxes before. That was, I think that was BC before Cameron. Um, we used those. Uh -huh. And then um, we now we're using the slide out, like you talk about where you push a button, it all unfolds. It sounds similar to yours. Um, and then we have everything kind of broken down to what we need. Um, and that really needs to be cleaned out. <laughs> You know, last year I finally did that before it got cold because the year before I didn't and things froze and broke and made a yeah. mess. So um, it got its end of show season cleaning done this year. So I took all the liquid stuff out. But a good yes. tack box is a great investment and a good thing to use that stimulus money. Mm -hmm. And if you're really looking to burn a burn some of that. So yep. one one as well that I want to point out that like Catherine has that she doesn't use, and I don't know why she doesn't, and it's a conversation we will have when we are married and going to shows, is she has one that like is smaller, but it's longer, so it unfolds and you can hang it on a pen. And to me, I always thought those were cool. Oh, like the aluminum ones? Yeah, like the fancy aluminum ones. Uh-huh. And she wanted... Yeah, it says Will County Fair Champion Goat 2017 or something like that. I'm like, let the people know you won the Will County Fair. <laughs> That's a good way to advertise. <laughs> yes, it, yes. It, subtle, subtle marketing there. Like we talked about, you know, people see the chair, people see chairs, people see, you know, show boxes. And that's a subtle way to advertise as well as hold your crap. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a good one. Hold your crap. Yeah. <laughs> so we're well, just trying to give you some ideas of what you could do with that stimulus money. If you choose to do so, what's in kind of our tools in the toolboxes and what's some of the tools we use, not just at shows, but on our farm as well. Um, and these are just some opportunities for you to think about what you might want to upgrade before um, the show season really kicks off or, or maybe you're just doing some barn improvements. Sounds like um, we've got that covered then. Yes. 
We do. So let's talk a little bit about um, some requests that we've had for a special guest. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, we've had many requests for the man to talk about high lactation. That man is Randy Adamson, um, a friend of both Laura's and mine. Um, the daughter, the, the dad of Sarah Adamson, who we from Vita Plus, who we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, we've heard your requests. I think this has probably been the most requested thing to talk about. Um, so we've heard your requests. We're processing them. We're going to get in touch with Randy. Randy's not the most technologically advanced person. I think he's still got a flip phone, which I, I love him to death for that. You can still text him on it. Um, <laughs> but um, we will work through that and get through that there. Also going to be working on some stuff to do a podcast with a, another Dairy Goat producer that really focuses on um, lactation and, and producing for high lactation. So very excited about that as well uh, when it comes to future episodes down the road. We do listen to your suggestions, though. So if there's really something you'd like us to talk about, um, you know, just let us know because we're always looking for new ideas and and hope that you enjoy uh, the topics that we are able to cover on here. So as always, thank you for being our listeners and thank you for spending some time with us today. And Cameron, as always, thank you for being an amazing co-host. And thank you, Laura, for having me. As always, it's always a fun time to chat. And uh, again, hope you listeners find some value. You can find us on Facebook, um, Goat Gab on Facebook. We're on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, probably Podbean. Um, and if you like us, tell a friend. Um, again, we're always looking to grow this thing and bring our Goat Gab family a little, make it a little bit bigger. So. I tell a friend and let's grow this thing. All right. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll catch you next Tuesday.